Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com. Live and local, every afternoon, 2 to 4, this is Mark, Melinda, and Ed on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text them at 512-836-0590. It's really beautiful to hear you speak the truth about things. Now, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. How was your weekend, Melinda? Fantastic. Yesterday and again today, absolutely gorgeous. I got to spend yesterday outside today. I just get to see it through a window. <laughs> She's a pro, though. She's dedicated. She's a pro. Ed. She's a pro at looking out the window. I'm, I've had a good weekend. I'm thanking all the presidents out there for President's Day. All my favorite presidents out there reflected on that this morning while working out, and some of my least favorite presidents reflected on that too. <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. Do you reflect it on? Oh yeah, it? reflected. I had my had my mental list this morning while working out. My favorites and my not so favorites. <laughs> We'll, we'll get his list at some point during the show. I Got think it. I know the top of the not favorites. <laughs> I think you know, too. Jack is here producing. So good to have you with us. It is 2.03. The Munich Security Conference is underway. This is a gathering of security experts from about a dozen top countries around the world, including the United States. And they're discussing some polling they've done in a number of countries. And they've been asking people in all of these countries – What is the number one threat facing your particular country? And the answers by Americans are very, very fascinating here. Melinda, Democrats Hmm. have listed their top three threats to the United States. Yeah. uh, Coming in at number one, extreme weather. Ooh, extreme weather. Yeah, those forest fires, they're a big threat. That's under the climate change. And then... The destruction of natural habitats. So it's all related to the environment. Right. Which, I mean, really, that's your top thing. Like, when I, you're looking over everything yeah. that is possibly a nightmare, you're, that's, your, that's what you come up with as your top items? I know a lot of Democrats, and I've ne- never heard anybody talk about their biggest worry was extreme weather and forest fires. Yeah, that's a concern, but the number one thing is extreme weather and forest fires. That seems a little ridiculous to me. Granted, I don't mean to besmirch you hardcore environmentalists out there, but there are far greater things in this world that scare the dog out of me. What would be your top three, Ed? My top three right now, just from an American, my top three concerns are immigration uh, because we are the gates are open. That's number one. Number two, China. Number three, Russia. And number four, Iran. I, I, I'm concerned about that. Well, and to me, I, I'll roll that all in because I think that at the crux of those four things you just mentioned is a security risk. Yes. All of them present a security risk to us, uh, to our everyday lives. And that's a top concern, like just security. Uh, Republicans were asked and they rank China as the number one threat followed by Iran, and then the danger of an economic crisis. Independents say cyber attacks are the number one threat to the United States, followed by political polarization and Russia. Well, 
Cyber attacks are a big concern, and that goes back to China, I believe. Uh, we've had political disputes in this country all my life. I lived through the 60s when it was terrible, the, the divisiveness. Now we're in another area where it's very, very divisive. But I think this, the cyber, cyber threats are real mm-hmm. because if the Chinese, you know, if they could do that, knocking down our systems, not only, uh, you know, water, electricity, that's, that's a big concern. We got to be diligent on that. Again, I think it just comes down to the security, whether it's cyber, whether it is military, whatever you want to look, it's security. And so it just really blows my mind that anybody would be like, eh, not so worried about security, but those forest fires, let me yeah. tell you. And it's not to say that they're not devastating to those that encounter them. But for it to be your top issue is just bizarre. And I believe like in forest fires, I think here in Austin in the springtime and the summertime when it's hot and dry, we can be proactive. People can people can address the problems of forest fires or massive fires or the fires that happened in Bastrop several years ago. You can be proactive in your area. And uh, that to me is something you can help prevent. Right. This polling was done among 12,000 people in the G7 nations and other countries from around the world. And the experts say the United States is the only country that has this much division about the biggest threats facing the country. Everybody else is pretty much uh, in agreement, whether it's in Brazil, South Africa, you pick a country. Uh, The U.S. is an outlier when it comes to how we view threats to our country. I, I think, you can weigh in you know, with your thoughts at 512-836-0590. We're a polarized country, and we, <clears> we are a country politically led by extremes on the far left and the far right. And I think those who shout the loudest make the most noise. So I but, And I would also that. say the U.S. has, for I, probably its beginning, been held as that top nation. And so there's there seems to be that there, if you're going to talk about threats— most likely aimed at the U.S. whether than a Brazil or something like that because they're not this power country. Mm-hmm. We are, and you've got people looking to take you down every single day. Dailymail.com says about 70 survivors of rape and other violent crimes and families who have had loved ones murdered in the Austin area have formed a new group with one goal, that is the political defeat of current Travis County District Attorney Jose Garza. Oh, my goodness. I, he should feel about yay small when reading this. Uh, one of the very first things that jumped out of me, it said over 70 survivors of rape and other crimes. That dude was just out there upset about uh, Acevedo. Because of what his hand was in all of that. Yet yes. here, I would even say that Garza is worse because he's the one saying, no, I'm not going to prosecute that. Or I'm just going to offer you some kind of agreement where it is a slap on the wrist and you don't have to worry about it. I, I hate that these families are having to go through this. And it is strictly because this DA either doesn't want to go to trial. I don't. He, it sounds like, according to this article, he has a fear of going to trial because yes. mm-hmm. he knows that a jury is going to do way more than what he wants. And so he keeps offering up these agreements that are such a slap in the face of the victims' families and the victims. Yeah, and, and the stories uh, about the young man who was killed, body dumped in a field, and. 
it, it just breaks your heart. There's a, two people, a man and a woman. A woman kicked this guy's face, broke his jaw, and she wasn't charged. She wasn't charged with anything, anything. And this is going in down in Austin, Texas. People, wake up. Please wake up on this guy. He is a lightweight. He's soft on crime. And the criminals are getting the benefit of the doubt in this town now. I can't remember another time when crime victims united to try to bring about the defeat of a sitting district attorney in Travis County. Normally, DAs are tough on crime. They, yeah. they want to be known for putting criminals behind bars. This guy wants the opposite reputation. So we have this very unusual development of crime victims and the families who've had loved ones mm-hmm. victimized joining forces. And they say, we plan to be very aggressive in speaking out on this matter. Well, well they need to. I'm sorry. They sure. need to. And KXAN said that they found that under Garza, charges being dropped because he doesn't want to prosecute up 50% over other previous DAs. 50%. That is a lot. Mm-hmm. That's. It sounds like basically half of all the cases he gets, he drops the charges for. And then just take, uh, let's say, a small percentage of those, they're out there on the streets again, maybe victimizing other innocent citizens. Mm. It's a vicious cycle. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. Also in the news today, the New York Post is reporting the state of New York and Governor Kathy Hochul have massaged their rules to make it possible for illegal aliens in New York to get cash every month, hundreds of dollars per month from the taxpayers in kind of a welfare program for illegal immigrants. This should, uh, this should not happen with all due respect to those people up there. That's the role of churches, of individuals, not taxpayer money to give to illegals in any way, shape, or form. If you want to give to your social service agencies to help these people, do that your church, whatever, but not taxpayer money. Yeah, all I have to say is, New York, we don't want to hear about the money it costs for you to have all of them living in New York City. You are opening up an even bigger magnet. You you are drawing them there. So stop your belly aching. If this is what you want to do, do it, but do it without complaining. 512-836-0590. Get in here and join the conversation. It's 212, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. And you can stream the show live on your digital device via the free News Radio KLBJ app. 217, hope you're having a great day. Jack is here producing. San Francisco has appointed a non-U.S. citizen to serve on the city's election commission. This is Kelly Wong, who is an advocate for immigrant voting rights and is the first non-citizen appointed to the commission in San Francisco. I I just don't get it, Mark. With all due respect to Ms. Wong, she's not an American citizen. She cannot vote. She does not—she maybe is a very smart person, but— that is just a fundamental thing that should not be allowed. She's not an American citizen. That's just like me being chair of a woman's group. You know what I mean? I'm not a woman. She's not an American citizen. 
Well, I'm sure in San Francisco that would pass as well, and they would be completely <laughs> fine with that. Yeah, I I oh. don't understand this. You are you're just begging for something to go wrong. You know, as I read this, and they're like, "Well, she can educate people and bring in those non-citizens to get them the tools to become a citizen." Is she on the is she on the path of that? I think you can do that and not be on an election board. You have no business being on an election board when you don't have the right to vote here. Yeah, she is overseeing the elections being held in San yeah. Francisco. Uh, now, in San Francisco, they do allow illegal aliens and legal immigrants to vote in local school board elections. But they say that's it. That's yeah. all they can vote in. Yeah. And we don't know in this story if she's here legally or illegally. They're just trumpeting this as a, as a major breakthrough, a very positive move by San Francisco. I, I don't see it that way. It just seems to me that you are at the beginning of trying to create something even bigger that should not be happening. There should never be any sense of wrongdoing or possible wrongdoing, especially when it comes to our elections. Right. I just don't get it, Mark, because there's fundamental things in this country. And to be on this commission, you should have a well-represented people in the in the city of San Francisco, but they all need to all have skin in the game. And an illegal alien who can't vote does not have skin in the game and should not have the influence. And I know it's that one, one election you're talking about. That's the foot in the door. If it's one election, it'll be two. It'll be not only city, and then I'll go state, then I'll go national. So, yeah, it's just a bad precedent to sell. That's Here it. are the numbers. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. You can call. You can text us. The New York Times says President Biden is seriously considering tapping the brakes on his big push for electric vehicles in the United States. He would do it in order to gain favor with the car companies and auto unions, according to sources speaking with today's New York Times. I don't think he has a choice here. It's just we're not going along with this urgent push that they have tried, whether it is us buying, whether the infrastructure is just not there yet, whether it's the car companies pulling back on making this. It's not there. He doesn't have a choice. He can move forward as fast as he wants, the rest of us are not there yet, so I th- he has to. He's got to do, and, and it's going to be politics too, but this whole thing about electric vehicles, it should be market-driven, period. I despise all the, all the artificial things they do about rebates and buybacks and things, and for companies, the battery makers, all this and that, to push the EV market. When it is good for the American public, when it is uh, feasible, when we have charging stations everywhere, Yeah, people will do that, but we're nowhere near that yet. The New York Times says the auto unions are worried about the EVs because it takes fewer workers to build these cars. That's their number one worry. Number two worry is there are a lot of plants in the South that are not unionized. A lot of car company plants in the South are non-unionized, so they want to be able to get in there and get unionized, so they're tapping the brakes and what about the car companies? They've spent $146 billion in the last three years trying to make this transition. And many of them are losing a lot of money because these things are not selling. So how is Biden going to do this, this slowdown? It's the EPA 
tailpipe regulations. Mm. Just last spring, the EPA proposed the toughest ever limits on tailpipe emissions. It was designed to force the car companies to sell 67% of their new cars and trucks as all electric by 2032. That's not that far away. And if they were not hitting that target, they would get enormous fines from the federal government. So Biden is looking at easing up on the EPA regulations. He has to. I mean, there's there's no other way around it or follow through with fining these companies. Right. And if you go through with fining them these big fines, guess what? They're probably not going to be that fond of you. No, they're not going to be fond of you, nor will their workers be fond of you in their layoffs. He looks at everything through a political lens. He's in trouble in the polling, especially in Michigan. So it's no surprise that he's backtracking on this. His environmental supporters are not going to be happy at all, but he's doing it to Israel. Uh, he's doing a flip-flop now on the border. He's going to start claiming he's tough on the border, mm-hmm. and it's Trump who's the open borders guy. It's an election year, and the New York Times says uh, Biden wants to push off all of these new restrictions until at least 2030. He could be long gone by that point. As long as he gets reelected, he doesn't care. Yeah, I, and if you think that this was a bad four-year term under him. I would imagine the, the next one where there's zero hope of even worrying about getting oh, reelected he's, he's, he is can, going to be worse. I, he will either completely follow through with all of these promises just because what does he have to lose? And, you know, he wants the last one to be better than this one that he's current, or the, his, light, his last one to be better than this current one because – He's going down right now in history as one of the worst, if not the worst, presidents of the United States. Yesterday on CBS, a presidential historian, Douglas Brinkley, said there's no way that Biden's wife, Jill, will let him step aside. Mm. She loves the power. She craves the power. She can't give it up. That's why she is insisting that he keep running. Here is more of that audio from CBS. That's not the case with Joe Biden. She likes power. She wants to stay. She wants some sense of revenge. She teaches in Virginia Community College. This milieu around our building here, this is is her home. Um, And the idea of relinquishing it all uh, after you've taken the slings and arrows of the last uh, years of attacks. And at the last minute, just when you get all the delegates, you're going to say, I'm going to open it up to a bunch of people. It's it's very childish when you read those kind of reports. I'm not that's, even sure what he was saying. That's very sad. But yeah. it has to be something about her because I just can't. Of all of the couples that I know, they would not do this to no. their spouse no. when they see what it is doing to their spouse day in and day out. They would say, you know what? Good run. Let, let's just retire on the beach. It, it, exactly. It's it's very sad that this is happening. And Doug Brinkley lives in Austin part of the time. He's a good guy, and I believe what he says. But it's just sad. Ed, what did he mean when he said Jill Biden wants revenge? Well, I think she wants revenge on those who've lashed out against her husband, saying he's too old, he's senile, yada-da-da-da-da. I think that's what – and she is one of those pulling the strings behind the scene. So there's an old deal in politics, Melinda. We're not going to get mad. We're going to get even. And I think that's what what he's talking about in that. But it's just sad. But that's crazy to me because she's the one that's offering up him 
to get this criticism, and then she's going to turn around and try to get revenge on it. Hmm. And he's had the softest of all soft treatments he could get oh, from I'm, the media. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Ken in South Austin, two twenty-five on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Ken. Welcome. Good to be on. Uh, I just want to say real quickly, I believe that we are in the post-standard world where there are literally no standards anymore. You have San Francisco hiring a non-citizen to be on this board. Uh, I heard that Colorado is going to start hiring hiring, uh, non-citizens to be police officers. You have this transgender ideology, men, biological men, ruining and destroying uh, women's sports. You have uh, little boys being convinced that they're really little girls and little girls being changed into little boys. And it's going to lead to the ruin. We are witnessing the ruin and the destruction of one of the greatest countries of all time, America. It's leading to ruin and destruction. Ken, uh, we'll weigh in on that. Thank you for the call. We'll get to that and much more. And you can join us, 512-836-0590. Enjoy the podcasts of Mark, Melinda, and Ed at your convenience. You'll find them on NewsRadioKLBJ.com. 2.32, thanks a lot for joining us. Ed, what do you make of the comments caller Ken made right before the break? Help me out. What did Ken say? I just, I've got a short memory. What did he say? He was talking about all the stories we just covered and how it's an all-out assault on the foundation of this great country. Well, I think They're designed it, I, I, to destroy America. I, I'm not sure they're, <clears throat> Ken, I wouldn't. I would not say that they're out to destroy America. I think they're out to change America. And it's going a little quickly for me with the EV cars, with the other some issues out there uh, involving sexuality. I think they're on a fast pace like we've never seen before. And I will say, I don't think they're trying to destroy our country, but fundamentally change how we think and how we act to different items. I would say that they have to destroy it in order to change it into whatever it is they're wanting to change it into. <sighs> I'm not going to be destroyed because of EV cars. I don't like it quickly. I don't think it's just the EV cars. I mean, be... look at all at the totality of things mm-hmm. that are happening yeah. right now. It's not just about EV oh, well, no, cars or the I'm, EPA. I'm talking about sexuality and the transgender issues and the acceptance of a lot of things that a lot of people are not accepting to. He also alluded to allowing non-citizens to vote. I agree with Ken that that should not happen. We have a pathway to citizenship that uh, the Democrats, and especially this administration, want to bypass the things that we have in place for years and years and years. Would it be destructive to allow non-citizens to vote? Well, you're, you're just trapping me, aren't you? You're just no, trapping me. No, I'm not me. trying to trap oh, you. Oh, I think you are, and it would be destructive to our uh, – it would be. It would be. Yeah. I, it would be. Yeah. I think it would be. So Ken I may mean, be right. Yeah, if you're going to do that, why don't you just open it up to the world? Hey, can y'all, y'all want to vote in our, in our elections? We'll take it. CBS Austin is reporting that the Austin Police Association continues to try to alert the public to the present danger of being very short-staffed at APD. The Police Association gives out specific examples from just recent days of how tight we were on staffing and what was going on in different parts of the city. These numbers are shocking, Melinda. 350 vacancies and about 600 officers short from where the department needs. This gets me fired up when I see our city council people start talking. Their priority is daycare. Their priority is the environment. Their priority is affordable housing, and it's not public safety. Number one, 
city council members, it's public safety. Uh, for them, those same city council members that have everything else as their priority over public safety, according to the Austin Police Association president, those city council members took a couple of officers from the downtown patrol for their bodyguards, mm-hmm. uh, leaving just a few to patrol the entirety of downtown. Mm-hmm. So public safety, well, personal safety for them, public safety, nah, not a big priority. This was the day of the city council meeting when all of those pro-Palestinian people showed up. The APA says they started the day with only six officers for the entire downtown day shift. Mm. Four of those got pulled off of that to go guard the city council from the pro-Palestinians. So only two officers were available for all of downtown to answer 911 calls. Ludicrous. That is absolutely preposterous. Uh, We are the state capital of the state. We are uh, industry. We're high-tech downtown. We've got tourists out the wazoo downtown. And you're telling me we had two officers? Two? That's what they said uh, last Thursday. And here's another example. Austin Police Association President Michael Bullock talking with CBS Austin about another case where they were very shorthanded. We're not trying to sound the alarms for people, but we think people deserve to know. If we are fully staffed, you know, even right now with our current resources, if we were fully staffed, we would have somewhere around 12 to 14 officers that are available in most sectors during that time. Uh, But lately we're dealing with having maybe seven or eight that are available. And he said uh, just recently, a couple of days ago, an entire sector in East Austin went two hours without any patrol officer assigned to that sector. Uh, I'm waiting. I can't believe that we haven't already heard how that was just completely wrong. And it was probably the police department being somewhat racist by moving them out of the East Austin and putting them elsewhere and leaving these people to fend for themselves. I'm surprised we haven't heard that yet. Yes. Uh, Usually we do. This to me is exactly why we have got to do something. And I know when you're unable to recruit and get cadets in, it's very difficult to fill these positions. But you're not going to get the recruits in as long as the city council has made it and continues to make it very clear they don't really stand with the officers or with the fact of wanting public safety to be their top priority. And we have a DA who has an adversarial then you have that. relationship with the police department. So it's it's working against getting a lot of people to come to our city or people changing their professions and becoming cops. 512-836-0590. We go to Sam in South Austin. Hello, Sam. You're on KLBJ. Hi, you guys. Thank you for having me on. You know, I'm listening to a couple of these themes that we're talking about. We're talking about states uh, potentially allowing illegals to vote. We see in San Francisco they now have a, a, a non-citizen on the election board. We see the DOJ trying to prosecute Arizona for trying to limit, you know, trying to enforce voter ID. And you guys are talking at the city council level about priorities that just don't seem to be in line with what everyday citizens are concerned about. I'm just curious, like, how did we get to this point where we're watching the world just change right in front of us and we feel so powerless? Uh, I, I just don't, you know, from a consumer perspective, from a, you know, at a, from a legal perspective, how are we watching everything just change and we just don't feel like it has anything to do with what uh, the everyday person's priorities are? 
Sam, I think it's all in the messaging. It's slowly been about this is the this is the right thing to do, the feel good thing to do, and nobody wants to to be on the side of. Uh, I, I don't want to help a person or I don't want to do this. And they've slowly packaged their message that way. But that packaging comes with all that we're seeing now, whether it is, well, we don't want to have criminals behind bars all of the time. It's not fair for them if they if they don't have the money to post the bell. So you start seeing some small changes there that just now equate to a DA going, I'm just going to drop the charges altogether because I'm not... For this, it's just little by little, and I, I don't think anybody ever saw the big picture. You take that little by little feel good piece, and you agree with that, and you vote for that, and then you're at the point where we are now, where you got a lot of those people that are making these kind of destructive policies in charge. And the George Floyd that was that started out as a catalyst for BLM, and the George Floyd situation was terrible. It was in Minneapolis. It wasn't in Austin or Dallas or Houston. But those in power seize that moment and grab that tragedy to fundamentally change police departments around the country. And we're seeing the results today of lack of police. We're seeing it in major city and major city and major city. I just, you know, one of the things that I struggle with on a daily basis trying to process what I see going on is I don't know what's worse. Worse. I don't, you know, these DAs and, you know, these ill-funded politicians, you know, I just saw this, the report on these micro-donations that are being done in in the names of people who, you know, are retired or deceased, and so there's all kinds of funneling of money, or what's worse, or on the other hand, you have just a population that can't make heads from tails, that we keep at an individual level picking, you know, ideas, you know, on the political spectrum that feel right, but they're adding up to watching society get eroded. We're we're losing our power. Uh, We're watching society degrade, watching criminals get elevated, and everyday people get taxed to oblivion and, you know, put in jail. You know, like the idea that people were put in jail for evading COVID lockdowns, but we see, you know, violent criminals being let out. I mean, we're little by little, we're watching this all erode around us, and I don't know what's worse, what's happening at the higher levels of power or the kind of the blindfold that society seems to have. I mean, I listen to you guys regularly. You guys are clearly awake, you know, but it just seems that there's not this, like, groundswell that says enough's enough. I mean, I don't even, I wonder if that's part of the genius of all of this, that it's being done in a way that never causes a huge backlash. You know, the biggest backlash we've ever seen was, like, the Bud Light uh, uh, boycott. But what about something more significant, more serious, that basically says, no, we're taking it back. We want to reorganize these priorities before it's too late. All right, Sam, thank you. We'll uh, have some reaction to your comments, and we invite you to weigh in as well with yours. 512-836-0590. It's Mark, Melinda, and Ed on KLBJ. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. Now, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Thank you for joining us. We hope you're having an excellent afternoon. It's 247. Jack is here producing. You can join us at 512-836-0590. Our last caller, Sam, was expressing his deep concerns about what's happening in the United States. He said he feels in some ways dismayed, almost a sense of helplessness to try to reverse what's happening, that there are so many powerful forces attacking the country that he loves so much. 
It's similar to what uh, Ken was expressing a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, yeah, the destruction. It's yes. all meant to bring down expectations in order to rebuild them up in whatever this new way that they see and view and want America to go in. And so in order to do that, you have to break down all of the pieces, starting with like the family unit. You're uh, starting with breaking down religion. There's so many things you have to break down to get people to accept, oh, okay, our government knows better and we need to just listen to them. Law enforcement. Law enforcement is Education. another good one. Education, yes. yes. Nick is with us, and Kyle, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Nick, good afternoon. How are you doing today, sir? I'm I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Good very, afternoon. Uh, very well, Nick. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, add maybe an unpopular statement. In my opinion, I believe this is just the uh, the result of the First Amendment and a lack of state religion. At one point in the country, even though it was never a state religion, you know, the majority of the country was pretty much had Christian ideals and and principles. So that was kind of like the glue that bonded us together. Now, the majority of people, right and left, are, are really adverse to religion in general and Christianity in particular. And I mean, without any bond like that to hold you together, and then you have freedom of speech for these uh these leftist columns these leftist journalists and professors and everybody to, you know, disseminate all their propaganda. You, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any, uh, you have any ground to stand on. Any, none of us. I mean, it's just, they're educating the youth. They're, they're building society and their image. And, I mean, in China, the, the re- state religion is communism. Yes. Uh, that, that's the same in, in Russia. All of those, all of those dictatorships have a hostility toward God. They're atheists, and they're in rebellion against God. You're right about that, Nick. Uh, and and every, uh, everything belongs everything belongs to the state. Children, property, everything. And if you listen to some of the terminology that is coming out from our politicians, what was it not that long ago? The children are, are all of ours. What were they saying? It was something about the children, but they, they're our children. Uh-huh. Not yeah. that they're our your children. children. They're the they're, state children. Yes. yes. And I believe... I believe where, where we got off, oh, I mean, even from the founding, maybe it was misguided or what, but I believe the family is more important. Than, the family's rights are more important than the individual's rights. But in America, we believe the individual's rights are more important than everybody's rights. Well, and I think that's a mistake, in my opinion. What what I don't like that, that goes on in this country, and I believe we need to have freedom of religion. I, I, I believe in many different religions in this country. I don't believe we should just have Christianity. I think we should have many. But what bothers me the most about the mindset today is that everything starts in Washington. It doesn't start in your home or your town or your state. When you need something, it always comes from a centralized federal government. But when you, not uh, just to t- uh, touch on that, Ed, the uh, when you have a secular state, that's going to be the result. I mean, in the end, that's what's going to come about. The state's going to take over no matter what. Nick, thank I you, sir. That. All right, have a good day, Nick. Thank you. 512-836-0590. Uh, U.S. government auditors are finding very serious problems with how our federal government is handling the unaccompanied minors who are crossing our border illegally. This is a report the Office of Refugee Resettlement is under the Health and Human Services Department. And according to the Inspector General Melinda, they're doing a horrifying job of vetting the people who are getting custody of these minors. 
Yeah, I mean, in some cases, just there there is no vetting. It is just handing someone over, uh, handing these children right. over to whoever says, "Oh, I'll sponsor them." Why? And and you're probably not going to see this in a lot of places because it doesn't fit the narrative of we're doing it the the better, the more, more humane. We're really taking care of it. But report after report that's actually coming from the same administration. This is the Office of Inspector General Mm -hmm. uh, that are doing these reports. And we're finding vetting's not being done on who we turn kids over to. Vetting's not being done on who's crossing the border. Later finding out, oh, yeah, absolutely. They were a part of a gang and we knew this before, but we went ahead and let them in. This, again, is it's security, 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 and we do not have. Have it. And we're not following up, following up on where the where the people went. Yeah, we who care there so with. much about the kids. What happened to them? Right. Oh, we don't know. We're not following up on that. Well, it's pretty hard to do that when you don't initially verify the address of the sponsor or do a criminal background check. And that's exactly what's happening mm. in some of these cases. Oof. They're not even verifying. Oh, this. Yeah, that's your address. OK, we've checked your background. You're free to go with this child. Uh, it is so disturbing when you are turning over kids to people you have no idea what their background is you're not serious about stopping child trafficking child trafficking i was going to say that this is this is proof positive but there just must be thousands of children who are being trafficked around this country 512-836-0590 we've got news next and much more to cover with you it's mark melinda and ed news radio klbj Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.